In the month of May, Streaming Things is brought to you by Chester Copperpot, Stanton Valentino, Will Nash, Alan Tomlinson, Wendy O'Laughlin, Jason Hawkins, Matthew Amerson, Trey Barrera, Conrad, Luke and Sarah, David Malfara, Kaylee Sampson, Rabbit Dog in a Barbie Car, Jose Ruben Cruz Rodriguez, Alexis Adler, Thomas Alexander, Emmy, Joe Velez, Abby Vollmer, Valerie, Aaron Layton, Amanda King, Sun Loving Mortal, Andrew Gray, Jen Robinson, Kate, Chloe Richardson, Kalisha Reeves, Kiki Newton, Kevin Strother, Jeanette Murphy, Casey McCain, and Enza. Welcome back. My name is Chris. And I'm like Steve, man. And this is Streaming Things. This time, we're covering a little movie from 1998 called The Big Lebowski. And it was demanded. Emphasis on big. The big. Yeah, because there's another Lebowski. That's why. Hence the emphasis on that syllable. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was uh, mandated by one of our patrons. That's a thing they can do. Uh, Valerie, thank you so much for forcing me to rewatch The Big Lebowski. Yeah, thank you, Valerie. Great choice. Excellent choice. So what we do here, we'll talk a little bit about our overall thoughts, maybe a little bit of the history of the film, both with us personally and globally. Uh, And then we'll go into a kind of a scene by scene, play by play recap as best we can. Uh, I'm tired. I drink a Coke Zero, so I think I'm good to go. But also (laughs) this movie's a little little wonky. It is. It is very wonky. It's a little tough to do that with, but we'll do our best, our darndest, Mm -hmm. if you will. So, yeah, Big Lebowski action. Steve, what is your history with the Big Lebowski? Have you seen this movie before? What are your thoughts on it? Yes, I have seen this movie before. So growing up, this movie came out in what, 1998? Yeah. Yeah, 98. So growing up, I remember being a teenager in high school, and this was a very popular movie, right? You know, the the circles of friends that I've traveled with, they would quote it all the time. They would laugh about it. But for whatever reason, I was really hesitant to watch it for the longest time. I don't know why. I think it was just because I had a very different idea of, of in my head what the movie was compared to what it actually is. Because they're like, oh, it's like a stoner comedy. And I'm like, mm, ah, well, I don't need to rush to see that. It's just like Grind. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like Grind. Let's, <laughs> let's all just be honest with ourselves and just really know that it's just like Grind. I'm an all around the world. If you didn't listen to that episode, you're really confused. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so eventually, I think I was like 20 or 21. I definitely had become a 20 year old. When it, when it was the which was the first time I saw the Big Lebowski, and I loved I loved it. Uh, like this is such a well written movie. It's like one of the best written movies I think, dialogue wise and character wise. And it's immediately quotable. It's got some legendary performances, specifically by Jeff Bridges as the titular dude. Well, maybe not titular dude, but he is. He is, he is a Lebowski. He's not the big Lebowski, but he mm-hmm. is a Lebowski. Yeah. But he is the dude. Uh, John Goodman as Walter is so funny. And then you've got like just a, a venerable who's who of stars that kind of sneak in from time to time. I mean, it's the Coen brothers doing what they do best, really. And that's making a comedy that doesn't necessarily have a, a an overall narrative, right? They're just more about what would this person do in these circumstances than trying to really like encapsulate a... Uh, plot by plot story which i think is like very brave uh but you know that's that's like their calling card you know they're 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 experts at it and this this movie is just really really funny and i i love the small idiosyncratic idiosyncratic thank you can't talk i got your back uh i know you you scratch mine nux boom uh it's got those 
(laughs) (laughs) And I, and I love, I love him. Like just the, the small fact that like the dude's on a bowling team, but we never see him bowl once is like really funny. Like small stuff like that is just so clever and new and interesting and, and makes it stand out from the pack. And that's why I love the big Lebowski as much as I do. I agree with you. Um, I think my relationship is similar to the Coen brothers in general, as far as what you said about this movie, like for me more than any other, uh, set of filmmakers, but any, more than any other filmmaker, um, I feel like you have to watch this for me, my experience, you have to watch the Coen brothers movies several, not just twice, several times before they really sink in. Right. And maybe I'm just dumb, but like, Oh, I agree with that. Completely. They're yeah. hilarious, but almost I think I can say 100% of the time, I'm almost positive about that. When I watch one of their movies, especially when I was a kid and teenager and stuff, I don't even laugh the first time. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. You know, like, oh, brother, where art thou? Raising Arizona. Uh, um, any, any one of them you could think of, even like way back to the Hudsucker proxy. Um, I'm like, eh, I don't get it. Right. And then like, it's on TV all the time. The third or fourth watch, I cannot stop laughing. This is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. I don't know what it is about their movies that does that, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like if it's just a higher level or, you know, it's once you're in a they're so complex that once you're more comfortable, you start to get more of the jokes. They're very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost all of their movies are always even critically underappreciated at the time. Like the the Big Lebowski got a lukewarm reception. I read one review from 1998 that was like. Uh, can't believe these are the guys that won best picture for uh, best screenplay or I'm sorry, best screenplay for Fargo last year. Uh, so many cuss words that are used to fill the gaps in the shitty dialogue. <laughs> um, that same guy re-reviewed it in 2011 and said, uh, this is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. And so I think everybody kind of experiences that to some degree or another with Coen mm-hmm. Brothers movies. Um, yeah, all their movies are one of those movies where the more every time you watch one of their movies, you always pick up on something new that you never saw before. It, like every time I watch The Big Lebowski, I always find something in the background that I never realized and I laugh or I'm just like, oh, that is something that's happening in the background and I never realized it. That's genius. Uh, and, and all of their movies are like that. And the performances that they get from the actors, they're always uh, well known, uh, well trodden stars that give like a totally different kind of vibe than you've ever seen them before. Uh, would the tour so simple, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> what they did with Ray Fiennes is amazing. I, I think about John Goodman way back in raising Arizona. Uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is that scene where Nicholas cage is talking about how he, I just want to get a job and, you know, raise a family. And, uh, and he's just like, what the hell? Hi, why would you, why would you want to do a thing like that? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. But at the, like I said, the first time I watch it, I'm like, <laughs> Um, and the big Lebowski was like that for me, this movie more than any of their other movies, I think works on so many different levels. Um, it is a stoner comedy. It works just fine like that. And that's just like your opinion, man. It's so fucking funny mm-hmm. in that way, whatever. Uh, it, so, cause it's a parody, uh, but it's also arguably a neo-noir, right? They, um, they yep. based this movie on a story by Raymond Chandler called the big sleep. And that's why they called it the big Lebowski. And so it's got all those like, um, plot twists where they're trying to uh, like pin a crime on another man. There's private detectives, all this stuff, right? Like it's all beat for beat, a neo-noir story, but it's also an American Western. Mm-hmm. Hence Sam Elliott and the tumbleweed at the beginning. Uh, and it all works as a, an eviscerating critique uh, of America post Ronald Reagan. Um, 
And that's fucking crazy to say out loud. And like, it's, <laughs> it's easy to listen to me say all that and be like, I think you're looking a little too deeply into it. Right. But I think it's all there. I can back it up. Would you say, Yeah. well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's totally fine. If you just want to look at this movie as like a, a, a funny comedy too, because it, it works amazingly just as that. Uh, but rewatching, this is probably the fourth or fifth time that I've seen it. Um, like earnestly by myself, quietly watching it. And, um, I was blown away, blown away this time. I mean, I've always loved this movie. I've got the the Big Lebowski poster on my wall, but there's a lot of things I didn't notice before because I, I wasn't old enough in the sense that, you know, I wasn't like a really politically educated person. So it didn't hit me like in the beginning of the movie when it talks about, um, you know, George Bush and, and the evasion, the original invasion of Iraq and all the stuff that's going on there. And, and Sam Elliott saying, this was, a, this here's a man, uh, perfect for his time and place. Right. It's, it's, so it's, it's putting you right in. And then the reference of, uh, the actual rich man Lebowski, when he talks about, you know, he met Nancy Reagan, like they're throwing Reagan in your face on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. And the whole thing about, um, Jeff Bridges representing the sixties and seventies hippie culture, and the other Lebowski representing the the rampant capitalism of the 80s and early 90s um, and the whole symbolism of the fact that he's a fraud and has no money. Right. And uh, trying to pin everything on the counterculture. I've never caught that before mm. until watching it this time. You know what I mean? I just thought it was, it was funny. He's the dude, man. He's he the give dude, a fuck. He's man. the dude. Um, and everybody in this movie is living in the past. Right. You've got um, Walter, who's constantly obsessed with uh, Vietnam and uh, the Jewish faith that he got from his ex-wife. Uh, and so he's a fraud in there. Um, and then the other Lebowski's worried about the 80s and, and reminiscing on the time when everybody pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and, and you know did business. Well, I think it's funny. This is something that I caught on. And maybe this is really obvious because this is maybe the third time I've seen this movie. But like maybe it's really obvious to other people. But this was the first time I caught that the dude, Jeff Bridges Lebowski, he's also a fraud in that. Every time he he will be in a scene with someone and they'll say something to him. And then the next scene or maybe a couple he'll scenes later, adopt their philosophy. he'll adopt that philosophy or say word for word something they said. And he's kind of passing it off as his own idea as well. And it's kind of I think it's more like a, um, there's that. But I think it's also like a, he goes with the flow so much that he can flow like water through ideologies. Right. And mm -hmm. um, this actually became a religion. Yeah, uh, it's called Dudism. Dudism. Uh, it's basically Taoism with Kahlua, and <laughs> uh, it's uh, the the Church of the Latter Day Dudes is also what it's known as, right? Um, which is really fascinating. Like the cultural impact this movie has slowly grown into. I mean, it's a, it, the cult classic doesn't do it justice. I feel like. I mean, this is people are obsessed with this movie. I love the if you go onto their website, Dudism dot com. <laughs> they describe themselves up top. Come join the slowest growing religion in the world, <laughs> Judaism. By design, right? An ancient philosophy that preaches non-preachiness, practices as little as possible, and above all, uh, lost my train of thought there. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to find peace on earth and goodwill, man, we'll help you get started right after a little nap. Well, there's like a, a lot of a lot of facets, uh, a lot of ins and outs to that religion, you know, and uh, it's complex, man. Uh. <laughs> oh, you can get, oh, man. Things you can do. You can get citizenship to dude land. Where is dude land? A state of mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. What Very. is their blessing? Now I'm like, I'm going down this Are rabbit hole. Are you going to become a dudist? 
You uh, you can get ordained as a Dudas priest. <laughs> oh, please. There are you have over, to wear a bathrobe. There are over 600,000 worldwide. I like how in the movie, too, he hardly ever has a whole joint. It's always a roach with on, on roach clips. <laughs> it's just very like, when did you smoke the other? Like, he, I think the only time you see him light a fresh one is with the big Lebowski and like by the fireside when he first gets the job mm-hmm. and he tells him that bunny got kidnapped and he's like, it's like a bummer, man. It's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there's that funny little bit of direction. I was, I was doing some research and apparently like before they would shoot a scene, Jeff Bridges would ask the Coen brothers specifically like, Hey, in this right before the scene, did the dude roll a J or what? And they would tell him yes or no. And that was some of the only direction they ever gave him was if he was high or not. Are you high or not? And if he was, he was, he would rub his eyes and then pretend to be a little stoned. <laughs> but I, I just like, you don't have to see it. He'd be like, I got to know. What do you, is, is he rolling a J? What's going on? Yeah, I was, uh, as you know, a huge stoner uh, in the early, uh, all through the aughts. <laughs> and so I had a lot of friends that were obsessed with this movie. I thought it was funny, but I wasn't like, but they would every Halloween beard, glasses, bathrobes. You Are know. they Judas priests? I don't know. I haven't talked to them in years. Jimmy's one of them. Who the fuck is Jimmy? Who uh, is he? Yeah. He goes as the dude for Halloween all the time. RIP Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but I had such a good, I actually watched uh, Tron legacy right after this. Great movie. Accidentally, like in the sense that. Accident. Oh, <laughs> Tron Legacy. I, I didn't like fall on the remote. I just meant like I didn't intentionally pull up another Jeff Bridges movie. It was for something else, for other content that I was making. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fucking Jeff Bridges. And it's funny to me. I don't remember the original Tron very well, I'll be honest with you. I've only seen it once. It's kind of a rough watch. He's kind of. So, dude. Yeah. Because yeah. like I don't remember him running through the grid being like, oh, cool, man. What, but he's, he does that. What's his name? Flynn? Yeah, Flynn. Yeah, okay. Flynn lives. But he's like, he says man and shit a lot. I didn't yeah. I didn't remember that being a thing. And I started laughing because it was right after I'd seen the Big Lebowski. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? They should make the Big Lebowski now like the 2023 version where it's Jeff Bridges as the dude, but then the Big Lebowski is that awful CGI clue from Tron Legacy, and he's just acting against himself. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> but now he's so old. Have you seen like in True Grit in 2010, he was yeah, I'm just angry drunk draft. I love that fucking movie, by the way. Um, love that movie. So I guess we could dive in now that we've done some philosophizing and overall thoughts. We both love this movie. I gave it five stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> I don't do that often. I do. I'm pretty generous with the stars. They're fake. The five whole ass stars. Whole ass. Love Damn. this movie. Laird. Hilarious. Perfect. Julianne Moore. There's even a Tara Reed jump scare in this movie. <laughs> Dude, I forgot she was in there. Tara Reed. I was like, oh my God, Mike, this whole life that I had forgotten existed flooded before my eyes. Um, like that's, I think she's uh, definitive of an era. Very short, like three year era. You can just call it Tara Reed. And it's with, there's like whale tails at low cut jeans and, <laughs> and sp- <laughs> spiked frosted tip hairdos. Tara Reed, you know, mm. ba, 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 that, all that. Right. And in sync's there too. I think so. Okay. Wouldn't you say? Y- yeah. Cause 99 was when uh, American pie came out. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And then like until 2002 did would you, be Terry Reed era. Did you have frosted tipped hair? No. Did you no, wear no. those like sea? What, what, what were they called? The sea seashell, seashell necklaces. Andy did. Andy I did. forget what they were called. There's a name for them. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's not. I was yeah. I was counterculture because I was unathletic, so I had to like stake my claim elsewhere. You know, I had to commit. Otherwise, I would just be like a lesser version of the other guys. <laughs> so I, I had long hair. I played guitar. I had Chuck Taylors and I was like drawing Sharpie on my fingernails and stuff. And what's funny is I was all of I was a fraud, right? Because the whole thing was to be too cool for school. Mm-hmm. But I was super. You were so damn cool. But I was super curious to learn. And so I was the only like all black, uh, like, you know, eyeliner on throwing things at people, flipping people off with a 4.0. Cause I would go home and read all night and listen to fucking Nirvana. Um, you fucking nerd. (laughs) I just think that's funny in retrospect. Like, yeah, man, I don't care. I turned my assignment in. Uh, (laughs) Don't don't let the man keep you down, man. Plus I got to go to bed early tonight. We got a big test tomorrow. Yeah. Also, high school's not that hard. It's not like I was a genius or anything. It was just like I could read really well. English has always mm-hmm. been my thing. And that's like, they're like, damn. <laughs> you can read? <laughs> Sharpie boy can read? Public school in Kentucky had very low standards. So I graduated with flying colors. Um, Any hoozle. Let's hop right in. We start off with Sam Elliott. His narration as the stranger. Let me tell you about the dude. A lot of people think he represents the dude's conscience. Um he seems to be he's, he's something otherworldly for sure, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, he tells us about Jeff Lebowski, the the dude. And there's a dude ranch joke in there, I think. Dude's not something you'd want to be called where I'm from. I'm not sure why. I didn't think dude was a... So uh, in cowboy culture back in the day, they would call what people they would uh, see as like city slickers, dudes. Ah. So they were like, look at this mamby pamby dude. Look at this dude. Yeah, like he doesn't rustle up cattle. <laughs> Sure don't. Sure don't. Yeah. He he his spore his spurs are brand new. They look shiny. They're so, not dirty. Sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes the bar eats you. <laughs> That's a bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it threw me off because the subtitles spell it bear, but yeah. they're clearly saying bar. Well, if I didn't have subtitles, I might not have known he meant bear. I wouldn't have known that. I, I would even have been like, know that was an accent. I would you have could been have. like, what is this bar people are going to so, where they might get eaten by it? If Sam Elliott was watching Yellow Jackets. He would say, I never miss an episode. He would say, bar down. Bar down. (laughs) And then we see Tumbleweed just drifting to let us know that we're in a Western set in LA, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I never never met a nice person in Los Angeles. Uh, And then we see the dude himself. He's in a grocery store. He's looking for some milk because he's got to make his uh, white Russians Mm -hmm. or half and half. Another a joke for Westerns, right? Because they're always got a cup of whiskey in Westerns, but he's always got Kahlua and milk, you yep. know? Or is it half and half that they use? Yeah, he's he's sniffing half and half specifically in the story. Yeah. Okay. And he's in a robe, flip-flops. He's a man for his time and place. He but, fits right there. But apparently, so his wardrobe, the flip-flops and the robe, that's and the t-shirt, that's Jeff Bridges' personal clothing. Like he like, showed up to set in that and they were like perfect. Well, like he and the uh, costume designer would actually like go through his closet and be like, yeah, the dude would wear this. And apparently that shirt that he wears most of the movie he wore in like two other previous movies. I, I, I can't remember which ones they were, but you can see Jeff Bridges wearing that same shirt and it's a shirt he stole from his brother. Wow. Yeah. 
which is like I just love the yeah, idea. I'm gonna need like these back, Jeff. Because originally I had read that they they originally were going to cast Mel Gibson as the dude. Oh, that would have been which awful. Is, yikes! He would have hated Walter. <laughs> <He would>. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they get halfway halfway through the movie uh, when Walter says like the Shabbos and Mel Gibson be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm off the team. Pardon me. <laughs> so bad you don't fuck with the jesus <laughs> did you see um <laughs> mel gibson is directing another movie and i like mel gibson's movies i, I really do i'll be the one to yeah. say that out loud no yeah however it's tough nowadays mm -hmm. for obvious reasons but he just said he's going to direct a new movie and he cast uh mark Wahlberg. hey guy <laughs> what do you what do you mean you ain't gonna see them the, the mel gibson movie huh <laughs> take an interest in science taking stay prayed up did you see that video no. He's got like this giant cross built in his house with like this thing to set his knees on so he doesn't have to go all the way down. And it's just a quick video he posted of himself kneeling, praying, standing up and going, stay prayed up. <laughs> He's got an app, a prayer app, the Mark Wahlberg prayer app. Is Mark Wahlberg super religious? I think so now. Yeah. And he wakes huh. up at 2.30 every day and only sleeps three hours and all that shit. He's an interesting guy. Okay. He also did a lot of hate crimes in his also, teens. Also, go, go to Wahlberg's. Get yourself a delicious burger. Yeah, my third brother. My third brother does that. He had to close shop in Cincinnati. It sucks. Did he? Yeah, the Wahlburgers went closed, down all yeah. COVID? No, I just closed like a or, or couple just terrible months burgers. Ago. It's terrible burgers. Uh, man, <laughs> it's kind of hard to make a bad burger. Uh, but yeah, sometimes there's a man, right? And then he writes her a check at this grocery store for 69 cents for the half and half, which I found hilarious. You don't write a check for change, but you do if you're the dude. On September 11th, 1991. Is that what it was? Yeah. God, I need to pay attention. That's fascinating. <laughs> But it's also, uh, so someone was trying to explain this to me, but I didn't quite understand what they were going for. But like, so he's watching the, like that news conference of George HW Bush talking yes. about like, um, the, uh, Kuwait the, and, and yeah. Iraq and this aggression will not stand. This aggression will not stand. Uh, but apparently that conference was aired and what was recorded and aired in like 1990 or something. So yes. the fact that he's writing he's like post-dating his check like over a year in advance oh really yeah <laughs> to get this half and half i didn't catch that obviously yeah. at all. <laughs> that's I mean, how I, that's how poor he is i was three when uh all that stuff was going on yeah um i'm like i would watch snl in my at like seven years old and there'll be all these dan quayle jokes and stuff and i would laugh like i knew who that was <laughs> potato i, did, I didn't <laughs> potato but he goes back to his apartment and then immediately gets attacked. Where's the money, Lebowski? Which is a through line throughout this movie. Where's the money, Lebowski? And then uh, Bunny says, you're good for it, right? And then he's just in the toilet getting <laughs> dunked, like, uh, water, waterboarded essentially in the toilet. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, put me back in there. Let me take another look. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, that's such a good line. He's, it's a great line. Uh, but so essentially his wife owes Jackie, Jackie Treehorn is the guy. But it's not his wife. He doesn't have one. It's the wrong Lebowski. So they piss on his rug before they find this out. And he's very upset about that. Hey, man, it ties the whole room together. Don't do that, right? Um, he's, and right off the bat, they're just he's just firing off great. The quips. toilet seat's up, man. Do I look like I have a fucking <laughs> wife, man? The toilet seat's up. And that toilet seat is ghastly. It's not clean. It's gross. And then, like, uh, at one point he tells the guy, like... Uh, Are you about to say the best uh, line in the movie? Obviously, you're not a yes. golfer. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? And hands him a bowling ball, and he goes, obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of joke that, like, and maybe I'm an idiot. First time through, nothing from me. Fourth time, 
that's the funniest thing in the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and that's just how the Coen brothers are to me. And he and, says, and, at least I'm housebroken. Yeah, at least I'm housebroken. Uh, he's just like firing them off immediately. It's so fucking good. Exasperated um, dude is my favorite dude. Yes. Because he's such like a chill, like fun, lovable dude. He gets pushed dude. to his limits. But when he gets pushed to that point, that's when I think the best gold is mine. Like uh, covered in the ashes of Donnie. Just... <laughs> Doesn't know what to say, just staring like fucking a man. I think um, the one that the, the line that makes me laugh the hardest is there's a beverage here, man. Like that. I don't oh, know. Oh, and you're throwing him in the other limo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, that's the, I didn't even laugh when he said that earlier, but when you said it and I remembered it, it's hilarious. just like the way he's like protecting the drink over the, his yeah. own body. There's a beverage here. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Spill my cola. He probably drinks like six to eight white Russians. Oh, yeah. I mean, that carton of half and half he bought that lasted him that day. Well, everybody, everywhere he goes to has a bar, a little mini bar and may help yourself. And he goes, he does. He does indeed. Um, That's the dude. uh, So after they leave, it's at the bowling alley. That's when we get our credits and stuff. Uh, And, and Walter is being told about the incident. Walter is the foil to the dude. The dude abides, right? He's not unbothered by anything. He goes with the flow. Walter has PTSD from Vietnam and has a chip on his shoulder and stands up. He's the opposite. He thinks everything is a grave offense and must be must be handled, right? Uh, and then we also meet. Fucking, there are rules. Yeah. Am I the only one around here? Remember that, that was the meme of the century for like thirteen months. Yeah. Am I the only one around here who insert whatever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and fucking Donnie, Steve Buscemi doing great work. I've never quite figured out the character of Donnie uh, and what his point is, other than just to make me laugh because Walter's so mean to him. But yeah, that's what he says. It's unchecked aggression. Well, they need a third member of the team. They peed on. <laughs> they peed on your rug. Someone has to bowl, Chris, to really show that they're actually a bowling team. Strikes every time, except because does Walter one. ever bowl? I think we see Walter bowl once. Okay, um, you're out of your element, Donnie. You're out of your element, Donnie. One of the best lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I like that he corrects. Um, Jeff and Asian American, please. Uh. Yeah, yeah, they say that uh, slur like a lot very quickly. And I yeah. remember thinking, like, I don't remember this part of the movie at all. And then I laughed hysterically when Walter, of all people, who's so mad about the rules, like, by the way, dude, that's not the preferred nomenclature. Yeah, not, not cool, man. <laughs> um, and then uh, they see, so he says, you know, blame the other Lebowski, right? Like, that's who owes you a new rug. And he kind of convinces our Lebowski that, that that's the case. Uh, he talks him into being mad at him, right? So then cut to him at he's the- got to b- compensate him for his rug. Yes, he does. Yeah. So he's at the big Lebowski's house. Fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman. What a treasure. Another face I forgot. My favorite actor of all time. Love that man to death. That's uh, a good pick. It, it gone too soon. Oh, it breaks my heart. Like yeah. literally, I, I started bawling watching Hunger Games Catching Fire uh because he's in it mm-hmm. and at a really inappropriate oh, time good. Was, that would have been weird if he wasn't yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i'm in recovery so his death like hits me extra hard yeah i mean the man was sober over 20 years reminder to me not to slack off and for whatever reason thought he could have a, a glass of wine and um being a millionaire and a heroin addict just doesn't work out very well yeah, that was when when he died that was that was the one that's like oh i feel like the cu- culture really lost Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just transforms. Uh, He's the best part of whatever movies he's in. I actually love Mission Impossible 3, which I think is a hot take because especially now that everybody hates J.J. Abrams. Really? Do you? Yeah. 
I think it's great. I, I can't wait to. We gotta rewatch all of. I will say, Mission Impossible Three is amazing. Seventy five percent because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's got one, the best villain in the franchise until yeah. we get to. You know, uh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah. Ethan Hunt. I I love those movies. Are we gonna do a, a an MI watch off? Uh, please, we should do that in uh, anticipation of um. Reckoning, Dead Reckoning, Dead Part Reckoning One, Part One. I'm. That's one of my most anticipated of the summer. Can we do this? Let's, when? When do we? We got to do this soon. We got to figure out when Dead Reckoning Part Listeners, One comes out. Let us know if you're interested in a Mission Impossible off. And if not, your mission, if you choose to accept it, yeah. write into streamingthingspod at gmo.com and let us know if you would be into a uh, deep dive of the Mission Impossible franchise. And hurry up, this will self destruct. Oh uh, God, I hope you're not driving. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are. Oh, no. But there's this hilarious scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's basically like the assistant slash butler guy. Brandt. Obsessed. Yeah, Brandt, who's obsessed with the big Lebowski. But he's walking through all of his accolades, the pictures with Nancy Reagan. And uh, and he just keeps asking these inappropriate questions. Like when he goes, oh, these are his children. All of his like <laughs> part of his foundation. And he's like, oh, different mothers. So racially, he's pretty cool. Yeah. And Brandt's just like, what? No. <laughs> Uh, and then he's like, so he's a crip. Uh, yes, he's disabled, you know, it yeah. just, whatever. It's just funny to see him kind of the, the dude work around what's going on here. Uh, and the whole scene where he keeps touching the trophy. Don't touch that. And Please then don't touch that. he touches it one last time as he walks away. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, just that last little, <laughs> little, you know, he's standing he just, up to the man. He just paint brushes it with his finger too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just, and then we see the dude in a, a totally intentional mirror to put his face on time magazine's man of the year. Right. To just to tell you again, this is the man of his time, right? Mm -hmm. This is the perfect encapsulation of the early nineties. This is gen X at its height of its power. That's the dude railing against the cokehead eighties guys. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but then, you know, the, the big Lebowski does not handle it. Well, he already knows the whole story. He's not paying for his rug. Every time a rug is micturated upon in this country, I have to compensate the person. Uh, and he says, first off, he walks him through different versions of his name, right? Uh, El Duterino. El if you're Duterino. not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> <laughs> so his dudeness or duder. <laughs> uh, and then he gets, uh, big Lebowski gets angry at the mention of his wife, uh, and says that the other, uh, the racial slur again, but in Korea, which makes no sense. And then, uh, <laughs> that's why it's a slur. They usually don't make sense. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. They're not mm. the, the brightest bunch that use those. So dude leaves and, uh, but tells lies to Brant and says, Hey, he could said I could take any rug I wanted. So good. And Brant's like right away. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to check at all. Um, and then outside he sees his wife played by Tara Reed. And uh, painting her nails. And she says, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Brent can't watch though. (laughs) (laughs) He's so uncomfortable. She's such a firecracker. We love her around here. That's for sure. (laughs) Then she says, yeah, Brent can't watch unless he pays. Uh, And he's like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, We also uh, meet Uli, the nihilist. in the pool, like passed out. Mm -hmm. He's a nihilist. He doesn't believe in anything. Uh, so then we go back Fucking to the bowling nihilists. alley. Walter's late. Uh, and his line, if you will it, it is no dream. And then they have a, an extended conversation. And at some point, quickly, the dude says, I don't understand. And he says, Theodore Herzl. 
Uh, <laughs> or he says, what's that? Because he's talking about the dog. That's right. Theodore Herzl. No, not the fucking quote, man. The dog. I think it's, it's a Pomeranian. It is. But it's like not a Pomeranian. <laughs> I don't even know. Is that another joke? Because I don't know my dogs that I can get. I, I'm like 90% sure that's not a Pomeranian. Because they're poofier, right? Yeah, I think it's more like a some type of terrier, but I could be mistaken. That'd be funny. But like, it would be so funny if you're like, it, this guy who's just, the dog has papers, dude. But he doesn't even know it's not. it's not a real yeah i think that i think you're onto something there and it's cynthia's dog his ex-wife he's living in the past and uh yeah he says it's a show dog with papers that's why you can't leave it out there uh and then Smokey is over the line in walter's estimation while he's bowling uh over the line i'm sorry Smokey. you're over the line (laughs) just love that shift in tone in his voice he's a constant screamer this is not nom. This is bowling. And one of his constant refrains, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, and then he pulls a gun on Smokey, right? Am I the only one around here that gives a shit, shit about, about the, the rules? rules? Market zero. <laughs> Which Smokey does indeed market zero. And I love when he pulls a gun away. He's like, it's a league game, Smokey. Like, <laughs> come on, you get it. This is understandable right. what I'm doing right what now. What I'm doing is what normal people do. And Smokey's a pacifist. And there's a lot of philo- competing philosophies in this movie. We got Judaism. We got nihilism. We got pacifism. We have Taoism. Um, Dudeism. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm missing some, uh, just capitalism in general. There's a lot going on in this a lot of isms. But while they're talking in the car about what how rude he was to Smokey, you see the cops storm into the bowling alley, <laughs> presumably looking for Walter. Um, I'm calmer than you were. <laughs> I'm calmer than you were. Yeah, and he's got he's got his new rug back at his house. He hears a voicemail from Smokey about submitting it to the league, and then we get a, a voicemail from the bowling league guy saying that they're going to be in trouble for pulling the gun, and a voicemail from Brant. <laughs> article twenty seven. I love how there's an actual article pulling in the bowling league about pulling league, a gun <laughs> during league play. Normally, yeah. it's acceptable. Yeah, during league play though, that's a violation of Article Seven. Are you bowling? You like bowling? Uh, recreationally, I'm not like sure. I'm not good at it. Like you don't have shoes. Team. No, I don't have shoes. I kind of want to buy shoes. Yeah, I kind of want. I like bowling. Is it because you like the idea of the fashion and the? Uh, I don't want to put my feet in other people's. Feet I was going to say, or is it because you don't want to put your feet in the like, old in the rental shoes? I've only been bowling like seven times in my life, but I always really enjoy it. Yeah, and I was like, I like to go, and then I started seeing the scene where they're spraying them in this movie, and I was like, gross. Yeah, I forgot about that aspect. <laughs> Uh, made it this far in my life without athlete's foot. I'd like that cont- to continue. Do you like duck pin bowling? What is this? It's a, those are the, it's the really tiny bowling. I don't think I would. I want the biggest like, pins and a, balls I can find. There's a bar downtown called pins and it has a bunch of duck pin bowling, but like all the pins are on like string. So when you knock them down, the string like lifts them back up, but it's, but it's smart enough to know which like one little you Pinocchio bo- Yeah. Pins. And the balls are only like this big. So you just kind of, they're like ski balls. You kind of like chuck them. I do love ski ball. Now that's a fucking sport. <laughs> it's a fucking sport. You're goddamn right. I'm really good at ski ball. I get hella tickets. <laughs> I told you I wasn't an athlete. You, I lied. You bring them the bucket of tickets. You're like, here, I'll take the number two pencil, please. All those sticky hand <laughs> things on a string. Ew, this oh. is going to be fuzzy in 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm getting like 10 of them, bitches. I got so many tickets. Doesn't matter. Next. I'll, I'll use the rest of my tickets to get all the Tootsie Rolls you got. Yeah. Have you ever been foaling? Uh, frisbee golf no it's foot it's football bowling oh no i recently just learned one about up north this. it's really fun yeah there, there's one that opened up uh not too far from us actually. it's really fun especially since you drank like i was all sober <laughs> well you know i mean everybody's got their beers and shit 
everything's funner when you're drunk. That's true. That's no, but true. like what the, what's really cool about it, and this isn't a podcast for folding, but I think you should go because it's so you set your pens up. You have two opposing, you have your opposing team. So you go with like your friends and stuff, right? Um, you try to throw the football and knock the pens over. However, the catch is there's no separation between the lanes. It's just like a regular bowling alley. And as you can imagine, throwing a football and trying to get it to hit pins, the footballs bounce like crazy. And they tell you, like, if another team three lanes down bounces their ball into your pins and knocks them down, that counts. (laughs) I love it. And so it's chaos. And what happens is, like, a ball will start to bounce into your shit and you, like, dive, no, and swat it. And then it hits someone else's pins. And they're like, fuck, no. And, like, it's this whole funny thing where all you kind of become brethren with the other guys next to you. And they're oh, all that like, is fun. I like that. Guarding each other's pens and shit. It was a great time. Let's have a streaming things outing. A foaling journey? F- yeah. We just wear like a GoPro? Foaling things, yeah. I got like three GoPros we can strap to. Do ourselves. you really? Yeah. Oh, let's do that. Let's do that. That sounds awesome. We could tell everybody we're filming. Yeah. Get releases signed. Yeah. Whatever you got to do. Or just blur them out. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We got to be careful when you go in the bathroom. turn those off please i knew a guy uh that filmed a wedding and they had like a i forget why but there was like a gopro on head shtick that they wanted to record during the the reception of the party and one of the one of the groomsmen that was wearing that forgot to turn it off and he was telling me like yeah i was editing video but i saw this guy's dick because he was (laughs) he forgot to turn the camera off when he went to the urinal just looking down at yeah, it. Yeah, just like, well, look at that. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. Editors, man, hats off to you. You yeah. guys deal with shit nobody knows about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he gets all these voicemails and ultimately he has to go back to the big Lebowski's house. There's a voicemail from Brant beckoning him. And he, I assure you, we don't care about the rug. The rug is not a problem. I have terrible news. Let's go to the West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> and then while he's out there, uh, he goes to leave. Marty shows up at his front door. Uh, Marty, the landlord. Got, yeah, and he's got a white rush. And he just wants advice on bowling and stuff. And it turns out it's the dude's landlord. He's way late, late on rent. But he's so nice, right? He's such a pushover when it comes to the dude. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I'll get it to you. Um, my, my dude is going to sound like Argyle a lot. I can't hey, help man. it. It's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Did I I read that in the original script, um, the way the uh the dude got money was he was like a trust fund baby. Uh from the like his father was the dude who invented the Rubik's Cube. So that was how like he was originally supposed to have money. But then the Cohen brothers ultimately decided like it was a much more enjoyable movie if you left the dude a little bit of a as much of a mystery as you could. Yeah, like why doesn't he work? Yeah. Yeah. How does he even afford the half and half? If he has no job, he's got four dollars at one point when they meet the nihilist at the end. And yeah, like, How's he, where did he get that? Um, did, did Donnie give that to him? And well, even his backstory that he tells Maud, like none of that made sense to me. I know it's just a bunch of hippie stuff, but mm-hmm. hilarious. There's another line I never appreciated before. Um, when he says something about like, yeah, uh, the you ever hear of the Sweet the Se- Seven, the Seattle Seven? Yeah, that was me and six other guys. And then there's like a long beat. Six other guys. <laughs> so fucking funny. But yeah, so Brant and Lebowski the, won his one of help. The, one of the dudes that uh, they took inspiration from uh, was actually a part of the real Seattle Seven. Oh, really? Uh, so the Is dude, that the movie they made uh, the, the with uh, Jeremy Armstrong and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and shit recently? That was a Chicago. Different Seven? Yeah. Chicago, Chicago Seven? something, yeah. Is it the Magnificent Seven? The Cowboys? Yeah. Am yeah. I on the right track? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, the, the, about, uh, the dude is like based off of like 
he's like an amalgam of three people that the Coens knew. Like physically, he's like, there's a guy named, I think Brett Dowd is his name. Jeff Dowd. That's a guy they knew specifically, but he had the look and he talked like that. And he actually told people to call him the dude. Um, and then there was a writer named John Milius who wrote Dirty Harry. Uh, I guess that guy is kind of based off Walter, but a lot of the situations that they find themselves in this movie, like finding a, a kid's homework in a stolen car and driving to the kid's house and threatening them. That's something that that dude actually did in real life. <laughs> just looked up the dude. Yeah. And the, the kid. But the, the only difference was the father wasn't in an iron lung. He was just bedridden. <laughs> yeah. Another Western uh, through line was the fact that that writer wrote, wrote branded in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. um, which again, another thing I didn't, I've never laughed at so hard before was when he's all drunk in the back of the cop car and he's singing the theme song from branded branded because <laughs> it's like a reference from way earlier it's super funny i don't think i, I don't think i made that connection that's so funny yeah um you notice something every time it's yeah, something new in a coen brothers movie every single time oh, but yeah. mr lebowski is in seclusion in the west wing right and like the whole what flamboyant man, sadness lebowski. of philip seymour hoffman's character though when he like throws open the double doors and sadness and bowels and um, then they have that very classic uh orchestral song yeah not to look it up but that- oh. yeah you just pictured batman Floating down, wings outstretched. What makes a man? Strong men cry. Mind Strong if I, men also cry. Mind if I do a J? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we, he has a ransom note for Bunny is what he hands to the dude. This is a bummer, man. Uh, and he wants dude to be the courier of the ransom. He'll pay him $20,000 to do that, right? Uh, <laughs> I think he can identify them if they were the men who soiled his rug. You think the carpet pissers did this? <laughs> uh, and then we get to the greatest scene in perhaps all of cinema. The introduction of John Turturro as Jesus, the Jesus. And again, they take a shot at Christianity in this movie. They made Jesus a pedophile, you know, like it's, it's pederast. <laughs> <laughs> Walter's always slightly off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Eight year olds, dude. And he's got the, he's got the Coke pinky. Uh, <laughs> he's got the Coke now. Yeah. And they pan across all of the dude and gang slowly. I love his, I love his weird uh, hairnet that goes and covers his ponytail. Yeah, man. Uh, he he has those bowling rings, which apparently are like legit real rings that mean like if you're a a, a real bowler and you saw those rings, you would like your job. Oh, he's drop. like a uh, champion bowler. Yeah. Like one of his rings means he 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 threw a perfect game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like uh, Did you see the spinoff, the do uh, the Jesus rolls. I didn't because people said it was bad. I never watched it either. Yeah. It was I, like written and directed by John Turturro. Yeah, he got permission from the Coen brothers to spin this off, but I heard it wasn't good. Ah, but it wasn't. Without the dude? I know. And I can't imagine a movie about this dude that guy. for like, like an hour and a half to two hours being good. <laughs> just going door to door when he moves. Um, I'm going to fuck you, man. Yeah, Quintana. Don't fuck with the Jesus. Are you ready to be fucked, man? <laughs> Why are you... So many people say they're going to fuck you in the ass or get fucked in the ass in this movie. It's, it's bonkers. Um, but that's when he says, are you ready to be fucked, man? And then dude says, that's just like your opinion, man. That's just your like opinion, man. <laughs> I love how they're none of as mad as Walter gets when he's like directly threatened a bunch. He's always calm and very confident. Like it happens with the nihilists, but it happens every time with the Jesus too. Cause he's like, fuck you, man. I will shove that gun up your fucking ass, man. And he's just standing there like eight year olds, dude, you know, he's just unaffected by yeah, this he, guy. He doesn't engage with 
Jesus at all. No. Like almost never. He's like me. Yeah, <laughs> I love uh, uh, the Jesus's like little buddy, like his bowling partner that looks like he, they don't look like two people who would be friends. No. But they're like high five and off screen and stuff. But that scene where he's like polishing his ball in the background <laughs> is so epic. Eight year olds, dude. But that whole and you know it's uh, it's a Spanish version of Hotel California, mm-hmm. which is funny because later we find out that. The dude hates the Eagles. And I yeah. guess they did that on purpose probably because this is not a guy he fucks with, right? I just put that literally just now that occurred to me. Um, but I love that song. I don't know why you wouldn't like the Eagles. Well, because I think uh, people of that era see the Eagles as um, sellouts. Like uh, they're like the super, like they sing about hippy dippy stuff, but they're like corporate sellouts. Yeah. So that's why someone like the dude would not probably not like them. Not like CCR. You know, not that cool. No, CC. I mean, CCR is like amazing. There, that's it's a baller soundtrack. This mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I love this month's theme. It's all about balance. How do you spend time for yourself when you're so busy worrying about other people? I find that extremely difficult. I know I've got kids. I've got dogs. I've got cats even. They're very self-sufficient, but every now and then very demanding, especially when their bowl's empty. And so it's all about getting caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never thinking about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving it, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. So therapy can give you tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Steve, you know a thing or two about this, don't you? Yeah, I was actually in a relationship with someone. It was a very codependent relationship, and I spent so much of my time not worried about my own health but their own. And that left a lot of things in my life uh, not as great as they could be, Chris. And so I was able to get involved with BetterHelp. I found a therapist. It was very easy to use. My therapist was really, really awesome. She gave me books to read, gave me homework, and made me realize that I am a person worthy of value and worthy of spending time on myself with. Uh, And that's why BetterHelp is really, really awesome. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You found it to be the case, Steve? I did. 100% love BetterHelp. And so all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. So if you feel like you're not vibing, if you're not vibing, mm-hmm. you, could, you could move on. Next. And then you know, you can worry about balance. Immediately. You want to make sure you get the therapist that you want and not the therapist that may be a very picky cat. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. My cat is a terrible therapist. Yeah. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash streaming things. Uh, but after that scene is when the dude gets punched lying on his new carpet uh, boy, we later find out is Maude Lebowski and her crew, uh, but we don't know that yet. Uh, and then he's back at the bowling alley. Walter is joining him on the drop is the plan, right, Steve? Uh, Walter says, you know, he's going to do the drop with him. And he kind of inserts himself into all of these situations from here on out as much as he can. They're driving in the car and uh, the dude's convinced that Bunny, because she needed money for Jackie Treehorn, kidnapped herself. Mm-hmm. but he's not fully convinced enough to like do anything with the drop. He just wants to do what he's told and get his $20,000. However, Walter's so convinced that he wants a new plan. He's going to, uh, his very complicated plan is that he's going to beat the guy up and make him tell him where, to, where she is. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And then the, that's the hilarious exchange where the dude's like, oh, well, fuck, man. You thought it all out. And then Walter's like, you got to keep plans need to be simple. Complicated plans is where things go awry. There's many places they can fail. Uh, and then all of a sudden they get the phone call that, of course, the drop is going to be on the wooden bridge. Just throw it over. Thwarting his very simple plan. That 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 shot of them throwing the bag mm-hmm. out of the, the car is actually a reverse shot. They were throwing it back into the car? Yeah. Like, so the car is moving backwards and someone's throwing it into the car because they couldn't get it to look as cool as it does. Right. Doing it the normal way because it, that's hard to throw something out the window. So they were just having someone catch it and nice. then just replayed it backwards. In the Interesting. Movie. Did you know this is totally irrelevant, but I just learned this is probably a well-known fact, especially you as a sci-fi nerd. When uh, Sigourney Weaver in Alien 3 throws the basketball behind her. Mm-hmm. That's uh, real. It's real, but also yeah. the very first take. Oh, and that's why Ron Perlman loses his shit. Oh, you know background. about the whole where Ron almost ruined everything and stuff? Yeah, because yeah, he goes, oh, my God. And they had to like, they didn't think they could edit it in a way where they it was like, dude, what did you just do? Holy shit. That'll <laughs> never happen again. What have you done? Um it's a really funny story. But yeah, baller-ass move on Sigourney Weaver's part. Mm-hmm. First, oh, yeah. first try. I mean, she did it hundreds of times in rehearsal. Never made it. But the first time they were rolling. Dunk. Hell yeah. Unlike in this movie where they couldn't manage it and they had to fake it. Uh, <laughs> a much simpler thing they had to fake. But yeah, he keeps going back and forth. Uh, there's a couple of funny jokes with the phone call. Uh, I was actually getting frustrated with Walter in this They're scene. amateurs. Amateurs. And then he says, like, be quiet, man. As soon as he, he waits for him to answer and goes, amateurs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just being so petty. He's just a petty master. Purposely ignorant and <laughs> such a dick. So his new plan on the fly, he brought an Uzi. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And he says, hey, I'm going to get this up down to 15 miles an hour. I'm going to roll out. You drive. And I'm going to circle back and get him. He rolls out, drops the Uzi. It starts firing <laughs> off like crazy. <laughs> shoots the car, pops a tire. They crash. And then the 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 kidnappers take off on their motorcycles with the bag. What we think is the dummy money that Walter came up with. We later find out there's no money in either case, but that's the big reveal for later. But this like makes the the dude feel like they're 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 going to be responsible for a woman being murdered. This poor lady, man. They're going to kill this poor woman, man. Copying something I think Brant said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always repeats what and the whole. Uh, this aggression will not stand, man, is from listening to the broadcast with George Bush. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's fucking funny. I love um, it. But, yeah, so then... Parlance they, of our times, man. <laughs> they go back <laughs> They go back to the bowling alley, uh, and they argue about the poor woman a little bit. Well, when they get outside, he finds that his car has been stolen. He, he knows it's been stolen, even though it was parked in a handicapped spot. <laughs> you miss the uh, 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 Walter can't play on Saturdays because he's a Shomer Shabbos. Shomer Shabbos. <laughs> it's his day of rest. And the whole time the dude's like, we killed that woman. He's not even listening to no. me. What to say, Donnie? Sh- Shomer Shabbos. I, I can't answer the phone. I can't work. I can't drive. And I definitely can't fucking roll. <laughs> can't fucking roll. <laughs> Shomer Shabbos. And the last time he says it, he just says it for no reason, even though he's talking directly to dude now. He's such a frustrating person to be friends with. Shomer Shabbos. And I do love the ongoing joke that Donnie's always like maybe... 45 seconds behind the conversation because Walter's like gone off on this tirade and then Donnie just pipes in what's the summer shops? <laughs> like, yeah. like Donnie you're out of your element you're out of your element Donnie shut the fuck up Donnie do you notice that Donnie never wears a bowling shirt with no. his name on it he's never quite oh is he there at all well he has he always is wearing a bowling shirt but it always has a different person's name on it so he I wears, know one time I said art 
there's Austin, Ray, and then there are two other ones that were like, I couldn't quite know. No, make the out dude's wearing. wearing one that says art. Yeah. The, oh, the dude is. So maybe they're stealing. I think they're stealing bowling the bowling shirts. shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking good. Um, so yeah, after that, they find out the car has been stolen uh, and he just ends up frustratedly walking home. Is there anything valuable in the car? Some credence tapes. Yeah, my tape my deck, briefcase. credence tabs, my my just business papers. What do you do for a living? I'm unemployed. <laughs> the cops are nice. Also, They're my like, rug uh-huh. was stolen. Separate incidences. <laughs> oh, separate incident. I love the moment when they hear the voicemail. I'm the one who took your rug, and he goes, "Oh, <laughs> mystery solved." Can close the case. Yeah, close the case on that one. <laughs> And he said, but I wouldn't worry. I, I wouldn't plan on getting your tape decks back. And then the other cops like, uh, or the credence tapes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, Maude Lebowski reveals herself and says that she will send a limo to pick him up. So he takes the limo there. He finds out that uh, the nihilists are friends of hers as well. She knows uh, Yuri. They were in a band called. Uh, Uli. Yeah. Uli. Also, yeah. Uli. Was that, what was their band called? Oh, no, I wrote it. Oh, I, I think remember. I have it later when they actually talk about it later. But yeah. that's, that stuff's discussed. And then he goes back to the fucking bowling alley, believe my, it or not. My art is called, has been called strongly vaginal. Vagina. <laughs> I just does, love it make, how- does it make you uncomfortable when I say that word? Most men it does. But they can talk about their dick, their prick, their Johnson. Johnson? Johnson. <laughs> Zex can be a naturally sesty enterprise. <laughs> I love the way that Julianne, this might be my favorite Julianne Moore character ever. And she love- all, yeah. Yeah. How she just so deadpanly delivers some of this. Whole, like, I just, the way she says, my art has been called strong and vaginal. Vagina. <laughs> I, I read a review that said that she represented Mother Nature. Hence the mm. sexuality and the femininity. Um, he went really deep into it, but it was interesting. It was interesting. They watch, they watch Log Jammin' together. Yeah. Um, uh, starring Carl Hungus, who is Uli. Uh, but yeah, so. It's hard to make them go back to the farm once they've met Carl Hungus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Bunny is she 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 implies that Bunny is a nymphomaniac and mm-hmm. doesn't actually get pleasure from sex, so she's always trying to find it. Yeah. And she's kind of fallen in with these nihilists who, yeah, who have been in pornos together and stuff like that. Yep. So she wants him to help get the money back because she says that her father took the money from the charity foundation. Uh Little Lebowski Achievers wasn't his money to give. So that's her stake in this fight. She also thinks that Bunny is behind this in some way, or at least not in danger. Um, Why did she have sentimental value to the rug? Because she says like, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to help me find that the, the million dollars that my father stole, but not the rug. It has sentimental value because she said that was a gift to her late mother. Okay. So she gave that rug to her mom before she passed. That's why it's in that house. Gotcha. Um, so that wasn't his to give you. She's actually very cool and, you know. Oh, yeah. She's understandable about everything. She's, except for when she punches him. But she was mad about the rug. Yeah, sure, sure. Understandable again. You're, you get this sweaty dude just laying on your mom's she, rug. <laughs> <laughs> Sweating Kahlua all onto it. Um, but then at this point. Go see a doctor, Jeffrey. He's a good man. He's yeah, very thorough. Very thorough as well. He says that multiple times. Uh, and then he, he tells, he goes back to the bowling alley. He tells Walter he doesn't care about bowling, which is a low blow to Walter. And uh, it's where we meet Sam Elliott as the stranger in the flesh. We've heard him as the narrator, but he's sitting at the bar uh, and he's like, hey, I like your style. All that kind of stuff. Right. And says, uh, sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes the bar eats you. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry. I'm trying to catch it. My notes are like so much longer in the scene. I'm like, where are you at? (laughs) 
I might have skipped a few things. The, the, the thing to note that we did skip is there's a, vol- a blue Volkswagen uh, following him around. That comes back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the big thing. Um, oh, oh did, did we talk about the... Yeah. So b- before this scene, the, the Nihilists break into his apartment. Is that before? Oh, that's why I had the Nihilist note. Yeah. Yeah. So they With break the in and they're like, give us the money, Lebowski. And they throw in the ferret. And he's like, that's With a nice marmot. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> so I forgot that that was Flea. And for a second, the way he kind of like has his mouth kind of agape, I was like, is that Paul Shear? <laughs> like, I thought it was they Paul Shear. The gap. The, <laughs> it was Paul Shear for the longest time. But no, it's Flea. Flea pops up in random movies constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, great performance in this, though, especially when he's ordering pancakes and he's like falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincolnberry pancakes. Lincolnberry. But Did yes. You, yeah. I skipped all that. But the, when he's talking to the stranger, there's a joke where he, when he talks about the bear, he says, is that some kind of Eastern thing? And he gets far from it because it's a Western thing. Mm-hmm. Get it? Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but then at the end, he says, do you have far to use so it. many cuss words? And then the dude says, fuck you talking about, fuck man. Talking about. <laughs> Which makes him laugh. And the, there and, goes and it, the dude. It ends that. But at Always that, being himself. At that point, Maude calls and uh, wants him back at her house again. You haven't gone to the doctor yet? No. He's very thorough. Yeah, he's very thorough. Go to the doctor. And then we see a random Professor Lupin. David Thewlis sighting <laughs> in the weirdest role. This blew my goddamn mind because I saw him and my brain was like, you know this person. Yes. And then I don't know why this is what made me connect the dots. But he that that first giggle he does, I'm like, that's fucking David Thewlis. <laughs> Professor Lupin. As I live and breathe. As I live and breathe. And he's sitting there and he just keeps giggling. Oh, their band name is Autobahn. Autobahn. Yeah. Autobahn. Sorry. Autobahn. Not Autobahn. Autobahn. Uh, Yeah, the German techno band. And his name is Knox Harrington, David Thulis. He's a a video creator or something. The videographer. Um, Video artiste. But she says she wants him to go to the doctor again. There might be after effects. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the guy's giggling the whole time. I just love at one point there's a wide shot where he starts giggling and then there's just a beat and the dude's like, who the fuck is this? Because yeah. <laughs> it's very much a. Yeah, this is one of the few times. The he, audience is like very, is probably in that same mindscape. Yeah, he's a, a vehicle for us at that point too. But it's also <laughs> one of the few times he really starts to kind of like get fed up with the bullshit. Mm-hmm. He makes another white Russian, blah, blah, blah. But. He's also trying to explain to her that he lost the money without being honest about it. There's a lot of ins and outs to all this. It's very mm-hmm. complex. and But she has a lot of patience for him and his, his kind of bullshit, uh, which I like. Well, she kind of wants something else from him. She wants his seed, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, maybe. That's why she wants him to go see that doctor. Somebody who's not her friend, who's not going to be invested in raising the child is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he checks all those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does go to the doctor and at one point the doctor says slide your shorts down and he's like no nah, man I got hit in my face and he's like I know slide your shorts down and uh, I just put in quotes very thorough uh, well it's smash doesn't smash cut to him driving and he just got the biggest grin on his face he does he's just smoking a joint <laughs> listening to Credence his Credence tapes because that doctor was thorough <laughs> and then um, <laughs> he get he's getting followed by a Volkswagen he starts looking behind him again he's now he notices it uh, at this point he drops the joint into his lap we've all been there ah! can't find it it's burning your thighs on ah! the seat but then he like pours his beer all over the the joint to try to put it out and crashes into a dumpster the um, Volkswagen disappears Do you but- notice the continuity error in this no, continuity, schmontinuity. Yeah, well, it was obvious for me. I was like, what? What happened? Well, he has, his glasses are kind of like cockeyed on his, on his face. And he looks down the road 
he the, he sees they cut to a shot of the car being gone. Cuts back to him. He has no glasses on. Well, he took them off while he was looking, man. Oh, okay. Come all on, right. man. All Easy right. peasy. All right, all right. And I didn't notice, so it worked. Oh, I paused it. I was like, <laughs> continuity error. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking editors, man. Can't trust them. Uh, I don't know why they're shady now. Uh, <laughs> but did you know that the uh, the blue Volkswagen you kind of you can see it in the background of other scenes? No, he's been following the whole time, kind of. Yeah, thing. I know specifically the diner scene when he and Walter at the diner, and Walter's like, "I'm going to finish my coffee." Like the <laughs> the blue Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the blue Volkswagen's uh, parked out front, enjoying my coffee. When he's clearly not, he's so stubborn. He's just going to sit awkwardly in there. Yes. Great. Sorry to reference that again. This is a family restaurant, sir. <laughs> I was in Nam. People died face down in the muck so you could have the freedom to sit here. You're entering a world of pain. <laughs> what the fuck does Vietnam have to do with this, man? Repeatedly. But yeah, so he crashes uh, and he looks around for the Volkswagen, can't find him. But th- th- this is the point where he finds the homework in the seat with all the corrections and fucking Larry, his name at the top. Uh, so we cut to, I don't know what this scene is where he's watching this horrible performance it's his art. La- it's his landlord's dance oh, thing. It's his landlord. That was the thing that his landlord was inviting him to earlier in the in the movie. He's like, I, this, this keeps a roof over my head if I go to shit like this. Exactly, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Walter uh, Donnie's in there digging it. Yeah, Donnie's digging it. I love Walter. Like, when we're done with the, uh, and he just kind of like waves his hand. Gestures at it, yeah. <laughs> And we're going to have it. Things are really finally looking up for us because their whole plan is, you know, his father is Arthur Digby Sellers, the one who, who wrote he the wrote first 150, 150 episodes of Branded. Yeah, 156, <laughs> all the best ones. Um, and then shut the fuck Well, can we go to In-N-Out? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> yeah, because there's an In-N-Out burger nearby. And then uh, they go to the house. There's a new Corvette parked out front. And he's like, oh, man, he spent all the money. And he's like, oh, no way, uh, dude. He still has got 960 left. Easy. Uh, and then Sellers is in there in an iron lung and, and a good day to you, sir. Oh, one of my favorite jokes is when, uh, cause there's the caretaker. I assume she's the caretaker yeah. there who answers the door. He goes, does he still write? And yeah. she goes, oh no, he has health problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dumb line, but I love it so much. Severe ones. <laughs> And Larry comes in, just sits down, stone face stares at him. And we find out later he doesn't have the money or anything, but I guess he did steal the car. So he's just, but he's playing it cool. He's way better than Shauna. Oh, yeah. He's not talking. Yeah, you know, he, he tight, loose lips sink ships. He's played in the fifth. Yeah. Uh, F-I-F, the fifth. And then they go back and forth. At first, Walter's leading the charge, but in the rare, it's the rare moment where Lebowski loses his patience. And there's a moment where he, Walter says, you ever heard of Vietnam? And at the same time, Lebowski says, we're going to cut your dick off. Because <laughs> that's what Uli just said to him like a couple of scenes prior. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even catch that. We're going to cut your dick off, Larry. Yeah. He's just stealing <laughs> everything everybody says. And then you're killing your father. <laughs> you're killing your father. <laughs> <laughs> and then Walter goes out and like. I want to show you what happens when you fuck a stranger, stranger in the ass. ass. And he just goes to town with a crowbar with a crowbar on that car and <laughs> which this scene is actually one of the most infamous scenes in regards to hilarious tv edits have you heard the tv edit no. for this scene because he's yelling over and over this is why you don't fuck a stranger in the ass well i have it for you right now chris oh, okay. you ready to listen yes here we go see what happens larry you see what happens when you find a stranger in the alps this is what happens 
See what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? This is what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. That last one is feed a stoner scrambled eggs. What? <laughs> That's what they came up with? Well, apparently the, the Coen brothers thought it was so funny that they had to do this. So they they would either like make a PG edit and cut those scenes out or they would have to redub them, which they did. But they thought it would be funny just to let the actors improv whatever the hell they wanted to do. <laughs> so John Goodman said, when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. <laughs> this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> just like fuck the whole process. This is dumb. I love it. But then, but that's not Larry, little Larry's car. That's like a neighbor's car. And so he I like, just bought this car. He grabs the crowbar from, uh, from Walter and is like, I'll kill your car and, and starts beating up but, the dude's car. Hey man, that's not his car, man. Oh man. I know I keep saying this, but it's gotta be top five moments in the next scene after all this chaos. And the dude is very upset in the driver's seat and now he has no windows and Donnie and Walter are eating in and out burgers. <laughs> so you have to imagine a scenario where they get in the car, they drive off, zero success. And one of them, probably Donnie, goes, Can we still go to In and Out? <laughs> can we still get in and out? And Walter's like, Absolutely, we can. <laughs> and the dude. You're in your, you're in your element, Donnie. He's like, <laughs> Sure, man. Uh, which I really want right now. And I think we have one around here finally. Do we? I think so. Well, we got No, never- no, we have a jack in the box. Oh, we've had Jack in the Boxes before. Yeah, but I've only been there once, so nah. it doesn't count. Yeah, it's whatever. No, I don't think we have an In-N-Out. I want to go right. to In-N-Out Burger. You know what we need is a Torchies. You ever had Torchies? No, what is Torchies? It's like a taco chain, in uh, at least in Texas. I think it's all over out west, but definitely in Texas. Very good, though. Mm. Go in and get some three tacos. I want a Torchies. Yeah, we need Torchies. But I'd rather have an In-N-Out because I've never had it. Yeah, I've never had it either. That looks like a tasty burger. That's that is a tasty burger. <laughs> uh, and then we we see the dude in the next scene, like propping a chair up. He's like nailing a two by four, <laughs> telling Walter he doesn't want to work with him anymore. Fuck you, yeah, I'll be at practice. And he's like sets up at this elaborate defense from his door getting busted in. And then they pull it the other direction, <laughs> the other way, and the chair just falls over. <laughs> and it's Jackie Treehorn's people, and say, like, "Hey, Jackie Treehorn wants to see you, and we know which Lebowski you are this time." Jack, he wants to see the deadbeat Lebowski. Yeah. And then we see a, uh, what I call a jumpy, naked lady. And yep, uh, that's there a were, transition there to Jackie Treehorn's place. And he introduces himself and they have a conversation. And then uh, this is another person who's living in the past, like looking back toward the days of like Hugh Hefner and like the peak of, of classy pornography or whatever in his mm-hmm. mind. Um, and <laughs> the dude says, I still jerk off manually. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause he's, he's talking about like, it's all going to be electronic. Yeah. In the future. And uh, he's still, I got another white Russian that's important in this scene. I love how they spoof. It's just like naked gun level out of nowhere, I feel like. I mean, it's pretty silly. Oh, the note? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like some straight naked gun shit. Oh, yeah, it is. The guy 100%. T- gets a sneaky phone call, writes, jots on a piece of paper and leaves. And then Big Lebowski's like a detective finally, like, aha, uh, does he- the whole trace thing. And it's just a guy with a huge cock that he just <laughs> drew and ripped off and left with. he's like oh man um it's pretty accurate so then he presents him with the same deal that maud lebowski gave him i'll give you 10 percent of the take if you find the money for me blah 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 he agrees to it i already know where it is you just gotta go to larry seller's house man should be easy with your guys he's only 15 and uh, (laughs) he's really confident with his second white russian while he says this uh but he's been drugged he's been drugged oh what is uh 
strong Caucasian you made here, Jackie, which is a nickname for the white Russian. And uh, yeah, he passes out and then he wakes up running in the street after a bonkers David Lynch style sequence. Mm Mm-hmm. That Jackie is, Treehorn presents gutter balls. It's like a, a porno with him and Maud. Uh, Saddam Hussein is giving him his bowling yeah, shoes. Yeah, Saddam Hussein <laughs> presents him the shoes. Again, dating it in that 90s era. Mm-hmm. Maud's wearing like a Viking outfit. And I, I do like the, the the headdress that a lot of the, the, the extras are wearing that look like a bunch of pins and they're using it to kind of fan. Yeah. They use it to great effect. And and he's in a like repairman outfit because of the porn reference, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's there to fix the cable. <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after the dream sequence, he wakes up in the street running down the road. And there's a cop car behind him. And we find out that Jackie Treehorn actually called the cops on him. So but they were just keeping him uh, distracted so they could toss his apartment. But... Mm-hmm. When the cop arrests him, we, we go back to the station. But in the car, he starts singing that song, like uh, uh, Brand. Uh, I forget what the lyrics, but it was, it was at first relevant to what he was doing. You know what I mean? It was like being an outlaw, you know, <laughs> a criminal against the man, branded, and you know, and he's like branded. screams that part all drunk. It's super funny to me. But at the station, a Ralph's card is his only ID. We don't have any Ralphs around here, but I think it's like a Costco or a. Yeah. a like a supermarket of some like kind. Kroger, yeah. And uh, Jackie Treehorn, he treats objects like, like women, women, man. <laughs> <laughs> but then the cop hits him in the... In I the, don't like your jerk-off <laughs> robe. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off name. And I don't like you, jerk-off. Stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. You hearing me? Sorry, man. I wasn't listening. Oh, you fascist. <laughs> hits him in the head with a coffee cup. and a, You fascist. Uh, and then he's in a cab headed home. And this is when he tells the cab driver, please turn that off. I, I had a horrible day and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. So he throws him out of his cab. And then we get an interesting scene, like to, just to ramp up the stakes for the mystery is like we see Bunny drive by listening to the worst song ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viva Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. That's the worst song ever written? I hate that song with a passion. Do you love mm-hmm. it? Are you a fan? I, I don't really You're care. Ambivalent. Yeah, I'm ambivalent towards it. I don't like that song. Uh, appa- so I apparently, I, the funny story about the the Eagles joke, because it's a funny joke. Like, I just fa- hate the Eagles and the cabbie goes off on yeah. Apparently, I, 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 I don't have the names in front of me, but they were trying to secure the rights to a Rolling Stones song I think it plays at the end of the movie, maybe. Um, but the Stones didn't own the song, the rights of the song. Like this other guy, like Rick something, owned it at the time because he's like an asshole who kind of like swindled the rights of the song away from the Stones. And so they're trying to get the rights of the song. And that guy was like, I'll charge you $150,000 to use this song. And they're like, all right, cool, I guess. Well, they they showed the guy a screening of the movie, and when they got to that line, I was like, I really hate the fucking Eagles, man. I guess that guy also hates the Eagles and thought the line was so funny that then he gave them the rights to the song for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So apparently there's like a, a deep-rooted hatred. Like, you have to hate the Eagles a lot if you're like, I don't need $150,000 if you're spreading the good word. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Must have had plenty of money, though, at the time, right? Yeah. Well, we see that Bunny's not missing a toe. Uh, it pans across her toes. Quentin Tarantino's favorite scene in this movie. Oh, man. He loved it so much. <laughs> I love that we, I, I glossed over it for time's sake, but there's a hilarious, Walter is so confident. Like, well, that doesn't prove anything. You want a toe? I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe by three o'clock with nail polish on it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love Walter. 
Uh, but he comes back home. His apartment's been tossed, and Maud is there while he's laying on the floor. She steps over him. Want a bone? Uh, Love me. <laughs> that was way more accurate than what I said. Want a bone? Hey, sailor, want a bone? <laughs> but then there's he's smoking. Give me your Jimmy Stewart, and we'll, <laughs> we'll he's, make whoopee. <laughs> he's smoking another roach post-coitus, and she asked about his past, and he says uh, he was he was the guy that wrote the Port Huron Statement. Do you happen to know what that is? I meant to look it up, but I did not. I also look it up right now. meant to look it up and did the not. The Port Huron statement is a 1962 political manifesto of the American Student Activist Movement Students for a Democratic Party, SDS. See, I knew it was going to be some hippie shit because that's what he's about. Uh, and then he's also one of the uh, Seattle Seven, of course. He is the Seattle Seven and other, six, six other guys. Other guys. <laughs> he's also a roadie for Metallica. <laughs> And I forgot about this part. So in the while he was talking in the back, I was terrible people. When he was talking in the back, I saw her doing that stuff where she's like rocking back and forth with her knees to her chest. And I was like, is she doing the get me pregnant move? Because I remember those days. Mm -hmm. uh, and she mm -hmm. totally is. She's trying to have his seed. And yeah. it makes him do a spit take on his white Russian. Uh, yeah, then, that's what the doctor was for. She was making yeah. sure he had the Hence stuff. the doctor. Or no ailments you need to worry about, things like that as well. So you think he came, he ejaculated at the doctor is why I, he was happy? I, yeah, I think that's implied that he got a, some type of sample. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he makes him drop his pants and yeah. then the next scene is him just like having a great old time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we find out Big Lebowski is actually broke. He's a complete fraud in this scene as well. She gives him an allowance. The daughter, Maud Lebowski, is actually runs the estate. We let him run a few companies before. He's terrible at it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he bankrupted them. And that's when it all hits Lebowski, our Lebowski, the dude that it he was all a ruse. He thought that Bunny was kidnapped and he wanted her to die. And so he wanted to pin it all on the dude and just keep the million dollars. So it was never any money in that briefcase. He was going to say it was used for ransom, but he just withdrew it to keep it because he's actually broke. Aha! It all hits him. So he calls Walter like I've gotten an emergency, uh, but it's, of course, heir of Shabbos now. Again, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know much about Judaism other than it's a day that he's not supposed to be working or answering the phone. Uh, and Walter's really upset. Like, this has to be a matter of life or death, man. I get what you're saying. Um, but outside, before any of that. If you don't pick me up, I'm off the bowling team. <laughs> that's his threat. Yeah. Uh, he sees the Volkswagen there again, and he gets really upset. But it turns out it's, it's just a brother Seamus. Mm -hmm. It's Dufino, a fellow dick. Uh, he thinks he's a private investigator private as well. Snoop. He works for the Newtsons, Bunny's parents who hired him back in like Wisconsin or something. Mm -hmm. Show her a picture of the farm if you find her. That way you can send her back home. And he says, how are you going to keep them on the farm when they've seen Carl Hungus? <laughs> yep. So that that uh, town that she's from is yeah. actually the sister town to Fargo. Oh, nice. Because they were, they were kind of trying to imply that this is like the same universe as Fargo. They pulled out the old scout photos. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and just used one of those that's mm -hmm. cool um and then we see briefly the germans the nihilists at the pancake house uh and the lady that they're with is missing a toe is what the whole point of that scene is for but it's also funny because you get to see flea order pancakes and peter stormer stormer also finally got to get some pancakes lingenberry because in fargo his character is like let's go to pancakes house oh i forgot about that <laughs> that's genius which by the way i don't know if we've said this yet i love peter stormer I haven't said that specific. I love Fargo with a fucking cold. That's probably my favorite Coen Brothers. Movie. I need to rewatch Fargo. It's been years, but like I love Peter Stor Stormare so much. Like he's whenever great. he pops up and things, he's always one of those character actors you never forget. Yeah, he's got a. He's just 
He's got so, a face. He's got a face, but also all of his characters are just off enough to be slightly off-putting, but endearing at the same time. Yeah. Like, he's not... He can be a weirdo when he wants to be, but, like, most of the time, it's like, he's the Russian guy from Armageddon, you know? <laughs> yes. And it is it is easier to train, you know, engineers and stuff that can go to... Drillers that can go to space. I mean, that's the science, Chris. Than astronauts to drill. Yeah. Everybody knows this. Right, right. God, I'm ready to watch that movie again, too. That's a good one. Uh, and then... That's when he's telling Walter it's a ringer for a ringer, right? Uh, and as they pull up to the Big Lebowski's mansion, they see that her car is crashed into the fountain, still playing Viva Las Vegas. Thank God for she me. She had that on a loop. <laughs> yeah. Implying, yeah, she just listened to that for like eight hours. Uh, she went down to Florida or something, we find out, but she just went on an impromptu vacation. She was fine yeah. the whole time. Um, Brant's like picking up her stuff. <laughs> She, we're so happy she's back. <laughs> yeah. Don't go in there. He's very upset. And this is where the dude steals another line, but this time it's the line that he steals. Where's the fucking money, Lebowski? <laughs> the thing that everybody's been saying to him the whole movie. Uh, and then Walter's there with him now, and he's very, we know how Walter is. And so he says that he's a fake paraplegic. He's, I, this I, guy walks. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. And of course, he's a real paraplegic. It's very sad. Yeah. And Walter's like, or um, the dude's like, help me put him back in his chair, man. Yeah. It, it ends on such a downer moment. It should be a victorious moment for the two of them. Yeah. But it, but Walter always takes things way too far. Well, this is a downer. And then another downer uh, in the next scene. Well, this this scene features one of the only improv lines in the whole movie. With, Do you uh, know which one it is? You mean the scene where they confront the Big Lebowski? Yeah. No. You human paraquat. <laughs> <laughs> what even is that uh a paraquat a mix is of a, a kumquat and a it's, parakeet it's a herbicide oh okay yeah so it, it's kind of like if if you're if if you're that's a good thing to call a capitalistic dude yeah right because he's like ruining nature with his things, yeah. yeah yeah you mm-hmm. human paraquat <laughs> <laughs> uh donnie in the next scene we see jesus again uh back on his bullshit upset that they skipped uh, the Sabbath. What is this Sabbath shit trying to mind fuck me? I would have fuck you in the ass on Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but Donnie is the first time we see him bowl and not get a strike. He got a nine. Yeah. He's very upset and weirded out by that. You see him kind of looking at his arm and flexing it, an indication of a, a heart attack coming soon. His mm-hmm. arm feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside the nihilists are out there setting his car on fire, his poor car. I wonder if this is where they got the idea for dude, where's my car too, by the way, because outside <laughs> he's like, where's your car, dude, dude, where's your car? Yeah. Earlier what's my in the movie? tattoo say, dude, <laughs> dude, <laughs> what's mine say? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? Dude. <laughs> Jesus, Steve, why did you put that back in my brain? <laughs> the best joke in that movie. It is. It's that. It is. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, the nihilists are outside and they just say, well, then just give us all the money you have because they find out like, Hey man, the jig's up. You don't have the girl, but my, my girlfriend, girlfriend cut, cut off toe. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend cut off toe. <laughs> she thought she was going to get a million dollars. And at this scene, like Walter basically kills flea. I think, I mean, he throws the bowling ball so hard into his chest yeah, cavity. He's yeah. not going to do well. No. And then he bites the fucking ear off Peter Stormare. Yep. Um, I love the whole time, like, the dude's like, just take the four fucking dollars, yeah, man. To fight it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
But then back in there, Donnie's been having a heart attack. Uh, and I saw somebody compare this scene to the Western, like a big shootout at the end. But instead of a shootout, it's just Donnie having a heart attack. But like the best friend always dies in the big Westerns. Um, and it's always a revenge story in, a, in an American Western. But instead of like killing my wife or some, stealing my horse, it's that somebody pissed on his rug is mm -hmm. how the whole thing starts off. And it's really neat, um, all the Western, uh, the Western uh, parallels in this movie. But Donnie's death is one of those. Donnie dies. The next scene, they're in the mortuary. They don't want to pay for the urn. So they go to a Ralph's it's to get a, a coffee can. $180 for the receptacle. It's our most economically priced receptacle. It's our most modestly priced modestly receptacle. Priced, yeah. They go up to $3,000. Uh, we're just going to scatter them. And then they take him to the just Pacific Ocean <laughs> to scatter his ashes. And Walter gives this ridiculous speech and brings up Vietnam a bunch again, pisses the dude off. And then... It's like there's this big gust of Folgers can. There's this big gust of wind, and then he just starts like slinging it instead of pouring it over the cliff, and it's just covering the dude in Donnie's ashes, and he's just taking it like, of course he is, uh, and he gets fed up with Walter. It's, you ruin everything, man. Uh, but they go back to the bowling I'm sorry, alley, dude. I'm sorry. What is this? The fifth, sixth time they're at the bowling alley. In the original script, it was uh, in this scene. It would be revealed that Walter was never in Vietnam. Oh really? That he was faking it the whole time, yeah. Because like you get that vibe, yeah. Because in the in the script, Balky be like, Walter, what's your fuck? What was not? You weren't even there, man. Like that was they. That, oh, that they, was gonna be the line. They cut. That was the only way they were gonna. Only thing they were gonna do, but they just removed that one line. But yeah, so yeah, you, you can you can take from that that Walter was never actually in Vietnam and believe that. I'd believe it if someone told me that. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it's. Like somebody would just fake PTSD, though. That's weird. I mean, he's very ineffectual at everything else he does. It makes sense. And, and also, he's he's, uh, he definitely adopts things that other from other people and makes them his own life to the point where his ex wife was Jewish, and that's why he's now right. devoutly Jewish is because he was just trying to he took something else from somebody else. And this movie has a lot to say about uh, identity and and how it's kind of nebulous. People mm -hmm. crave to lean on things um ideologies but we sees the stranger at the bar again and this is either you you either hate this or think it's one of the best endings to any movie ever uh and this is where we get another speech with the stranger and uh where we get the the dude abides line and he says well it just about wraps it up i take comfort in that knowing there's a man like him out there taking it easy for all us sinners and Maude's pregnant too. I happen to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I happen to be. Well, he says something like, "I happen to be privy to a, a little child dude out there, something like that." A little dude is on his way, and I take comfort in that. Didn't like seeing Donnie go. <laughs> Didn't like seeing Donnie go. Well, lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect ending there. And that's it. I mean, the, ultimately, nothing changes. He still has no job. He's at the bowling alley just taking it easy. But that's kind of the comfort, he says, in somebody like the dude. So two things about this scene that I that kind of blew my mind. The first is the classic, the dude abides, right? That's yeah. like Lebowski's like most iconic, arguably, line. It's like, the sure. dude abides. And I just love how, you know... It's. I think you might have brought it up before, but it's just like the way that he got that word from the big Lebowski. Like, I will not abide a missing toe. Yeah. And then the dude abides, but they're using abides on the, they're technically using it correctly, but the two different definitions in a way that fits those characters. And I think that's so genius. Yeah. 
And then that whole take with him, that last take with uh, him leaving the dude abide, Sam Elliott talking is all one take. And then it, the camera kind of pushes forward past the bar. And this one guy walks into frame and bowls a strike. And all I could think of was like, what if that guy missed? How long did they have Sam Elliott at that table redoing that, that take? If he would just like not do a strike each time. Yeah. I didn't That's think all about I that. could think about. Maybe they shot it in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, stand the pins up. There's actually a smash cut in there, like hidden somewhere that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah, you just gutter ball it every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might have paid a pro bowler just to be an extra or something. I, I would be the guy who, like, I, I could probably be a pro bowler. I can score a perfect game, n- no doubt. But you put me in that high-stakes situation. With like Sam Elliott, of all people. Here I come. Gutter. <laughs> But anyway, the dude abides. The dude abides. Valerie, thank you so much. I would not have rewatched this movie for quite some time, I don't think, without you. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. And I had a great time. I've loved it more. I loved it more than I ever have before. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash streaming things if you want to force us to watch movies like this. And look forward soon to, we got cool things on the horizon. Uh, probably going to be starting a, a lost season one watch simultaneously. Steve you're going to be launching a Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode every every Thursday, probably? Every Friday? Well, yeah. So Strange New Worlds Season 2 drops on the 15th of June. Yeah, so mid-June. Uh, Phil will be on the show. He's my best friend. I've talked about him a lot on this uh, podcast. Some of you may have heard Phil. Some of you, if you uh, watch the After Hours with Phil on the Patreon, you, you've heard Phil. Uh, we will be doing a Star Trek uh, podcast. This will be releasing Friday after they air. But we're going to continue doing these Patreon movies. Mm. We're going to start doing crossing streams and, and talk about everything that's airing on television at once. Uh, I think Madison's going to continue to be with us. So uh, cross your fingers for that. I think she's she's more than willing, I'm pretty sure. And if you want even more Streaming Things content, mm. uh, I will be on a sh- uh, YouTube channel show called It Crept from the 80s. Uh, so look for that channel. That The channel with me, the interview with me on it will be dropping on Wednesday. If you, so same day as you're listening to this. You should oh, probably, nice. you could probably go on there and uh, and check it out. I will be sharing the link in the socials and all that. If you're interested, it's basically just me talking about how streaming things came to be. I talk very not kindly about Chris, Andy, oh. and Madison. Uh, and also we share some alien because the host, uh, Chris, his name is also Chris. Perfect. Uh, which I know you would love. Uh, Synchronicity. <laughs> Synchronicity. Uh, he also has an alien fear as I do. So we Ooh. talk about that quite a lot. And his story is way more terrifying than mine. So. It wasn't just a sleep paralysis thing? No, it was like one of two things happened. Either A, there was a little gray in his in his backyard or just a weird fucking dude just hanging out in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of your element, Donnie. Donnie, you're out of your element. You're about to enter a world of pain. You're about to enter a world. I'm going to be quoting this movie like in above average amount this week. Oh, 100%. Because it's like those quotes fit in so many different situations mm-hmm. um you can just say that kind of shit you're not wrong you're just an asshole you could be a t- <laughs> yeah <laughs> or you could say am i wrong am i wrong am i the only one around here oh it's so good i'm gonna say that at chick-fil-a it cares Vagina. about the fucking rules <laughs> did i tell you i got oh we'll end it on this did okay. i tell you about what i did there i finally like my my bucket list thing i did at chick-fil-a no how have i never shared this I don't know. What was your bucket list at Chick-fil-A? Well, listeners in America, you might know when you go to Chick-fil-A and you say thank you, they are mandated. My pleasure. They are mandated. They have to say my pleasure. It's like part of the training, I guess, right? People uh, think I often 
used to work there because I you say my pleasure. I say my pleasure, but that was because the hotel I worked at did a similar thing where they, oh, we really? had to say my pleasure. Pleasure. I've just been pleasured at Chick Fil A. Mm. So I've always wanted to get a Chick Fil A employee to say thank you, so that I could say my pleasure. <laughs> oh my god. And they never will. No matter how polite you are, they will not fucking say thank you. It's like they, they probably know because they know. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I got them, Steve. You got them. I roll up to the drive through. I order everything. I get to the window. And you know how they're like an efficient machine. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a young lady sitting outside the window whose job it is to hand everything off through the window. She's standing there. And I was like, I fucking Got it. And she's wearing these giant, expensive-looking mirror Ray-Ban <laughs> sunglasses. So I go, skirt. I pull up. My son's in the back seat. He's ready because he knows I've been planning this for months. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I Oh, my God. I love your glasses. And I had my painted nails and shit, too. And so she turned around and she goes, oh, thank you. And I just went, my pleasure. <laughs> and I swear to I wish I was filming it because my son loses it. <laughs> but at the same time, the girl just goes, oh. <laughs> like I got her. You know what I mean? Like, like she, oh, she had you, physical reaction. You got me. And then the biggest smile I've ever seen. Like, I think I, you know what I mean? Like it was just a moment. It was a thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me feel so good. I just drove off. I didn't even get my food. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I waited. But You drove home and Mason's like, that was really funny, dad. But, uh, I'm hungry. Where are my nuggets? My son was so happy. I was giddy. I was on the phone with my wife. She was not, she was unimpressed. She was like, nice. I was like, you don't understand. I've been trying this for months. So that's how you do it, folks. You compliment something on their person. I love, I love a a good fast food uh, bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Like you remember when all the kids were just grabbing the ice cream off the cones and stuff. That Mm -hmm. was the whole thing. Yeah. I wanted to be a part of that, but I feel like I missed the boat. I still want to go to a white castle with with an ET mask and pretend to be Stone (laughs) Stone Cold ET. Stone Cold ET ET wants a cup of cheeseburgers (laughs) so he can whip Vince McMahon's ass. (laughs) Did we ever show Madison that clip? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Dead ass we did. It's very important to me. Hello? All right, that's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. And I'm Steve. And this is Stranger Things. It's gonna be May. And in this month of May, we want to give a special shout out to the patrons that are brand new to the Stream Fiends family. Uh, This first person isn't brand new, but they have upgraded their tier to the highest possible tier. And that is the case to patron saint of streaming things. And that is none other than Will Nash. Thank you, Will, for your patronage. Uh, In the Try Before You Deny producers tier, we want to welcome Alan Tomlinson. Hello, Alan. Thanks for joining. In the Marty B VIP producers tier, we want to thank Christian Louise, Kate Russell, Gabriella Balin, and Rachel B. Thank you all so much for being in the Nina with Dr. Marty B. In the Chocolate Pudding producer section, we want to welcome Alyssa Haley, Karis Brister, Echo Echo Romeo, Oscar, Jason Richards, Harry and Charmaine, Chelsea Agunde, Nomad Props, David Gauthier, Gauthier, probably mispronouncing all of these, Christian Pancal, Kelly Camp, Nathan Fisher, Izzy Drawing Wolf, and Mary Phillips. Thank you all for joining the Chocolate Pudding Tier. Hope you enjoy this bonus episode. And in the Friends Don't Lie producer section, we want to thank Serena Singh, K.L. Morton, Tony T. Is that Tony time? We'll never know. Oren Ronan and Mike 
Oxlong. Thank you all so much for keeping the lights on over here at Streaming Things. We love you so much dearly, and we appreciate your patronage so much in this month of May.